and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove. I have no strong feelings about Norway. I'm joined by a man who is frustrated with Norway. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello, I am. They could have done better. They could have done more. Instead, it was France. You, are you concerned about what they're doing with the North Sea oil? Yeah, I mean, I don't like it. I'm not a, <laughs> I, I mean, also their troll policy, I'm a little concerned about. The troll policy? Yeah, you should watch Troll Hunter. If you haven't seen Troll Hunter, go Where's watch Troll, troll Hunter. Hunter. It's like a movie in which, like, like I think it ends with like the Norwegian government sort of like knowing that trolls exist and like covering it up. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. It's a good movie. They just put it in a box somewhere, like X Files. Oh no, there's a bunch of them. There's like a gigantic, like, like eight story tall troll. Oh wow. Yes, I think I'll see that movie. It's wonderful. I won't be seeing that movie. You probably should. Um, but you weren't frustrated so much with that as with uh, Norway's passing in their two one defeat to France, which yes. we will discuss later in today's show. We're doing it chronologically today. Right? I have to believe we're one of the few soccer podcasts that begins with Troll Hunter. But yes, we will end by analyzing <laughs> Norway's passing or lack thereof. But we're going to go, yeah, chronological, chronological order. Chronological, yep. So it's Ni- mm-hmm. Nigeria, Korea, 2-0 uh, to Nigeria. It's Germany, Spain, 1-0 to Germany. And then it's France, Norway, 2-1 to France. Also, spoiler alert for all the Women's World Cup action. But yes. if you were... Uh, if you press play on this show, mm-hmm. you knew what you were in for. You knew what you were in for. We have no, no sympathy for you. No sympathy at all. Uh-uh. I'm just going <laughs> to echo what you say. So, so yeah, Nigeria, Korea, 2-0 yes, to Nigeria. They scored one of the goals. They did. But maybe used their hand to score they another? They scored both <laughs> exactly. of the goals. Okay, first, I want to um, address something that I think was happening in the commentary and sure. maybe a little bit on Fox. A lot of talk about Nigeria's pace and power. Yeah. Not enough respect, I think. Hey, for- sometimes they were fast and physical. <sighs> So, but not enough respect for what essentially to me seemed like a good counter-attacking plan yes. from Nigeria. There were shades of Senegal-Japan from the Men's World Cup in 2018 when the yeah. commentators didn't know a single player's oh, name. Oh, by commentators, you mean Warren Barton? Yes. I will, I'll name him for that that's, because that's, he, he should have done his research. Yes, yeah. and did not. But he did know the big name players. Uh, this one, at least the commentators knew that much. But yeah. yes, there was a lot of well-organized, disciplined, hard-working Korea versus fast and physical Nigeria. Yep, mm-hmm. which is not the whole story, right? No. The story is that Nigeria... Knew how to counterattack. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Knew how to play balls in yeah. behind. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also, you can win a tackle, and that means you just won the tackle. That doesn't mean it's like part of your game plan. So, yeah, I'm with you that it was more yep. so Nigeria kind of knowing the patterns in their counterattack. That seemed to be the, the key of, this, of yeah. this game for me. Should we talk about the own goal first then? Sure. So it's an own goal from Kim mm-hmm. that opens a scoring, 29th minute. Um, it is a wonderful ball, in my opinion. I think we disagree on this slightly. Slightly. Uh, the number 10, uh, Chukwelu, mm-hmm. um, she does a nice little move to throw off uh, Korean midfielder number 23. I can't remember who it was. Goes back the other way. And then I think cu- like sends a curving through ball over the top of two Korean defenders. Uh, and it's there for Oparanozi to run onto. Mm-hmm. Instead... Kim sticks her leg out. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I on first viewing and the subsequent 30 viewings by myself, <laughs> uh, I thought it was a fairly like wayward pass. You have convinced me somewhat more that I yeah. think if Kim doesn't try to make a play on this, I think it does drop into the path of, of a Paranozzi because yeah. she is kind of changing her run to get on the end of it. I don't know if it ends in a clear-cut shooting opportunity, yeah. but I think it ends in at least enough of an opportunity that it made Kim concerned because that's why yes, she tries to make a play on the ball. <laughs> tries um, to being the operative phrase and there. I, and I started with that just because I really want to underline the idea that Nigeria, again, it's not just about being fast. It's about timing the runs in behind, mm-hmm. which Aparanozi does here. And as he says to Shwala, 
does later. And it's about having someone who can hit those passes perfectly, yeah. which uh, Chiquelo, I mean, okay, you're going to disagree with the word perfectly, but can hit those passes successfully, which uh, Chiquelo does here. Well, I would also say, like, like what, maybe we disagree a little bit on the, like, the ball itself, but I would say the way it was played, the kind of the cutback, find the space, yeah. then hit the ball in, and it's, it's weighted enough that it doesn't just go straight out of bounds, which is a thing yeah. that we saw a lot from Spain and certainly a decent amount from Norway. I, and I you think, couldn't resist another oh, dig at Norway. Well, I could not. They deserve <laughs> maybe it. Maybe you're the real troll hunter. That, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> if the troll is overhit passes and, and misdirected passes. No, but I think, like, I mean, what I mean to say is that I felt like Spain and Norway were a little bit more panicked. We talked about this yesterday. I forget in the, which team we were talking about, but it's sort of once you start chasing and if it's the 30th minute and you're 1-0 down or it's 0-0, maybe you feel a little bit more confident. When it's the 60th and 70th and now you're 1-0 down, I think you start to panic a little bit more and you start to force passes and yeah. force opportunities. Japan? And, yeah, exactly. And I felt like in this game, Nigeria, this pass, for an example, uh, it is in the first half, but it's still like just the way she cuts back and holds it up and then plays the ball instead yep. of just hits it first time because yes. maybe it's on. Absolutely. That's why I think uh, Chikwelu is a mm-hmm. player to watch. Number 10 for yeah. Nigeria. Let's talk about what happens sure. when this ball is landing. So Kim, number five, who is, ends up credited with, credited? Debited yeah. with the mm-hmm. own goal. Um, I think she's trying to use the outside of her foot to like clear it and maybe knock it out for a corner kick. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what part of her leg it hits in the end. Does it hit the inside of her foot? Does it hit her shin? I think I think she's either doing what you said or she's going for like the overhead kick clearance without like. Oh, she send it back the other way. Exactly. Yeah. But either way, I think it comes off of like the. She's using her right leg, and I think it comes off the left side of her shin. There is we basically go. That what happens right. here. Yeah. That said, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's 100% going on frame. I do think there's a chance that maybe there's a little bit of a handball there from Aparanozzi. So I'll say this. Definitely Aparanozzi sticks her hand out yeah. in a way that is uh, – the only intention can be to try and get a touch on the ball. I watched this, sure. I watched this a bunch because I, I thought maybe there's a chance that she thinks, oh, it's going to come across my path. I can, like, chest it down. And so she's got the arm oh, out the way she's you – She's opening up. But there, she's not doing that. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> so I don't know why else it would be there except for maybe trying to distract because she's she knows the goalkeeper has come off her line, yeah. which she has because I think maybe she thinks she can collect she, like, this ball cleanly. mesmerize the goalkeeper like a vampire. It's the you can't see me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, then Nikita Paris. Exactly. Uh, who is the wrestler? John, John Cena. Cena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I like, I like your vampire hypnotist is my idea yeah. better yes yes but so you will not stop this ball and here's the thing we've I, been watching too much what we do in the shadows we, we have i love that show so much <laughs> I, i'm not so good at hypnotizing i can only make it work when the when the person wants to do what i'm trying to get them to do <laughs> that's not hypnotizing that's just getting a person to do what they want to do anyway um the thing that is extra confusing on top of everything we've already talked about is that as i said a it looks like she gets a finger to it and i do think that's Maybe. enough i don't know I, I honestly don't know i've seen multiple replays from multiple angles yeah. Every time we freeze frame and slow it down, it gets a little pixelated, yep. so mm-hmm. you can't see definite contact between fingers and ball. I think, and because it's the but fingers, it's possible, because right? it's the very end, and in a lot of an- angles, it was like just off screen, so you yeah. can't really see. Like a lot of times, the way you and I will gauge it is like, do you see the arm move at all? Can you yeah, see yeah. like the muscle ripple? That means uh-huh. the ball has hit the bicep. Here, I was looking at the fingers. You can maybe see it, but I will say in the very first angle of it, like the kind of normal camera view, it does look like the ball is going slightly one direction and then slightly changes after it straighten maybe up makes, a little bit in yeah. terms of straighten up to I, the young goal. I think yeah. so. So here's, here's my guess. There's a VIR check, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. There's a and a long one. Yes. I, I didn't time it, but it's it's a long old time. It, right? it is it is long by VAR standards, yes. My guess is that the video assistant referees are doing mm-hmm. video assisted referees um are doing what we were doing, which is just looking and looking and looking at multiple angles and multiple replays and slowing it down and trying to decide was their contact. Mm-hmm. And my my hard guess, which I'm really confident in, is that they essentially couldn't 
decide, couldn't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Oparo knows he definitely touches it, so they have to let it stand. They had no firm evidence yeah. against her. I'm I'm mostly inclined to agree with it's like you. It's a court of law in my mind. Yes, I'm inclined to agree with you. Mostly because I wasn't actually listening, because I'm now obsessed with. Is you it listening vid- to me? Is it video assisted or is it video assistant? I, I don't, don't know. know anymore. That's not the important part here. <laughs> the important part is my theory that essentially, even though they yeah. kept watching, yeah. they couldn't see definite contact. So okay, now they I agree. couldn't. Yes. They couldn't rule it out. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Okay. So that's one nil. Yeah. Unless you have anything else to say um, about this Kim goal. It should yeah. be video assisted referees, though, right? <laughs> no, I don't have anything else to say about this goal, but I do want to talk about the second one because it is a thing of beauty. Oh yes! Yeah. So in the second half, in mm-hmm. the seventy-fifth minute, again, it's a counter attack, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Guess who it starts with, Taylor? Okeki. Chiquilu. Okay. Number oh yeah, 10. yeah, 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 yeah. The right back You're is right. heavily involved. But mm. Yeah. Uh, Chiquilu is the one that gets the original sort of. I feel, poke, like, you, I feel like you set me up there. Poke tackle. <laughs> you were still thinking about VAR <laughs> <laughs> and, what, and what it should stand for. You, uh, so Chiquilu gets the original poke tackle into disruptor Seth career attack, mm-hmm. and essentially, here's my take on it: career are just scrambling to get a touch to yep. win the ball back, and I can't remember who it is, but there's a player who just pokes it into nowhere mm-hmm. and sets up a 50-50. Yeah. Um, uh, number 17, Franny, I've forgotten her second name, Franny Odega, mm-hmm. um, puts a good challenge in, but I don't think touches oh, it. It's a, but it's a, she, she is like a 30-yard sprint back. That, oh, yeah, she's not just that, there, right? She, no. She comes back to challenge. But it is a foot race with the Korean player, and because of that, I don't think either one of them touches the ball, but yeah. it's enough that I think otherwise, like the Korean player that you mentioned who squares that ball to no one, yeah. she then makes a run forward, I think because her idea is there'll be an advancing left back, I'll play it wide, I'll, I'll run to the back post, there'll be a long ball back in, and we'll have an overload and yeah. I think most of the Korea team thinks this is we're going to retain possession this yeah, is yeah. still our opportunity to attack Korea's ball yeah and I think because of the effort of Ordega that completely puts off the Korean players and also even though neither one of them gets a touch it still pulls everybody in and yes. then it allows space for Okeke the right back to now advance and she has a couple great touches a nice little move and then a great ball in behind she does so first of all she reads it right yep. she realizes this is my chance to move forward what like 15 yards mm-hmm. and get there first take this ball and then she does a move that I call the this way, that way, yep. where you put it one side of the defender, mm-hmm. but you go the other. I'm going to assume it's the left back, Jiang, mm-hmm. uh, number 16. Also wearing the captain's armband, so I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, so you just put it one side, run the other side. It's Actually, the, I, th- I think it was Jiang who, I could be totally wrong, I think it was Jiang who committed to the foot race with Ortega. Okay. I said that only because, and I made Ortega Spanish there for a moment, I'm not <laughs> sure why, but I think it's because Kim, the own goal scorer, I think then she comes out wide and then kind of everybody slides over because Kim, the right back, ends up playing as like a right center back. So I'm assuming everybody slides over to cover. All right. Either way, great, great move from Okeke. It's one of the most, to me, aesthetically, aesthetically, Pleasing yep. moves in soccer is the like I poke it one way, but I run around you the other way because it's just this like very basic misdirection or very obvious misdirection. It's also the type of move that only ends in more momentum. Like if you pull yeah. it off, like th- there's no way you do that and then stop and put your foot on the ball. Like it, like as <laughs> soon as you see a player do it and go go around the other side and get the ball back, you're like, oh, this is going places. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is going to be a shooting chance for sure. Well, this was going places. It was. I'll tell you where it was going. It was going exactly where I see that Super Z mm-hmm. Ashwala points that she wants it to go it does so she's making a run in behind the defenders and she points essentially ahead of herself and slightly to the right mm-hmm. that's where OKK put it it is a perfectly sort of just slightly bent ball what like kind of down the line but bending back into the middle yes yeah um and and then does very well to hold off the defender uh, I think it was flying on this yeah, one before um and I I can't tell if it does very well to go around the goalkeeper or if it's a mistake from Kim Min Jong, the uh, goalkeeper for South Korea, um, or maybe both. But I think Kim, for the second time in this game, is off her line but doesn't really have a good angle on it and is also yeah. 
off her line too early. Obviously, for the own goal, she's off, and then that's why they're, it's able yeah. to kind of roll the in. Goal, she thinks she's going to bounce through yeah. to her, right? Yeah. Which is not, maybe not wrong. Mm-mm. But I think in both cases, she's come off her line and then she's stopped. She's kind of standing when the ball goes past her for the first one. And here she's come off of her line and now she's standing. So again, she if, goes down there, right? If you, exactly. Swala make a bite on, I'm going to shoot. So you got to like go down and make a save. Because she's that far out, I think she has to try something. And yeah. so then she has to dive to one way, but Oshwala can just take a touch by her and then pass that ball in. It's really, it's a really tight fit from a tight angle yeah. but I still think if Kim the goalkeeper is like a little bit further back it probably ends up getting saved I see I, yeah so if she hadn't come off a line mm-hmm. essentially yep. yeah but Ashwala exploits it when she does she does what I really like is she manages to take a touch that's uh close enough that yeah. she doesn't run it out of bounds and she just yeah. and I'm going to say only just um, maintains enough angle to shoot at yeah and and we we watched it a couple times to make sure it does. she could have potentially squared it to a Paranosi who had made yeah. the kind of central run no intention she's no. shooting the whole way yeah, and she, she should have been she she yeah. she made that happen she if worked you it yourself, she scored it if you've calculated the angle and like yeah I can get this yeah. why not right absolutely go for it and I credit OKK because once you do the this way that way now you've kind of set the tone for okay now you got to go do something with yep. this ball and something is scoring a goal. So OKK did OK. <laughs> so you go, it's 2-0 to Nigeria. It is. You want to move on to the very next game? I suppose I do. Uh, next game is Germany-Spain. Mm-hmm. More, we- more weird goals in this game. M- yeah, weird goal in this game. Uh, yeah. Some weird defending. Yeah. I was excited for this one because it's two, um, two really competitive teams. Mm-hmm. Right. So this reminded me a little bit of watching like an even better version of Australia-Italy. Because mm-hmm. it's like two teams who either, either team could have won this game. In the end, Germany win this game. Yes, one 0 What's the main reason Germany win this game? I think uh, I think a big part of this game, and again, the Norway France game, is if you've been there before, you kind of have a little bit more yeah, calmness on you, it, right? And, and I think, or so, if enough of your players have been there before, yes, yeah. And I think Germany again. This was not a comprehensive, really compelling victory for Germany. Mm-hmm. It's similar to the China game in that they find a way to get a goal. And I think the biggest thing for me was that it seemed like Germany were focused on playing on the break. I think it seemed like maybe they thought if they can pull Spain out a little bit, there will be opportunities. Yeah. And so certainly in the first 30 minutes, I felt like Spain had better chances and had a little bit better possession. But I think Germany were kind of playing that way and set up to frustrate and then break on the counter. Um, and then I think... Once- I agree. I want to get into some detail on that. Sure. Okay. Let's do uh, it. So I think Coach Vastecklenburg... Mm-hmm absolutely got this right yeah because as you said they set up a little more defensive um instead of what there's a 4-2-3-1 in the, or a 4-3-3 in the original game um obviously no jennifer marishan um what they did in my in my book mm-hmm. is had a 4-4-2 yep but really focused on attacking the right side mm-hmm. and just being super defensive on the left side and the biggest example i think is the left mid was oberdorf yeah only 17 but she's kind of a holding midfielder mm-hmm. right so you're absolutely sure up one side then on the other side you have Gavin I think I called her Gwyn when she scored the first goal because I didn't know how to pronounce it correctly uh, Gavin as the right mid and then this is the key to me, the whole game to me your two forwards Hoot and Pop mm-hmm. technically two strikers who should be like a, one a little bit left one a little bit right instead Alexandra Pop played straight up down the middle centre forward and Hoot always drifted to the right yep. so what Germany had is a massive overload down that right side because mm-hmm. you have Hoot running down there you have Gvin and then you have the um, attacking fullback Hendrik as well so you sort of focus all your attack down one side keep going down that side keep working that side but really shore it up on the other side yeah. the defensive left mid mm-hmm. yeah which may, which makes sense because like you, you put your better defenders in a spot where you can kind of block Spain from going down one side and yeah. then you kind of focus your attack on the opposite side hoping that maybe Spain get overextended to try to make up for kind of being stymied yep. and then you have opportunities and that's basically what Germany had. where the goal comes yeah. from 
right? Exactly. The ball comes from an attack down the right. Yeah. Who is it? Who's the beautiful pass into Hoots Pass? It's Goosling, number uh, eight. Yes, it is. Goosling clips this wonderful mm-hmm. ball that goes over the Spanish uh, left back, Corredera, mm-hmm. and I think another centre back. It like lifts over both of them mm-hmm. uh, for Hoots to run onto. And yeah. again, this is Hoots centre forward running the right channel. And then. One of the best crosses we've seen this tournament because this lands right on Alexandra Pop's head. It does. Yeah. To the extent that I think Pop was kind of maybe not ready for it to be so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe there's something to be said for like it was too good because uh, she, <laughs> she hits directly it, down and sent yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sandra Paños, uh, the goalkeeper for Spain. And Correct, Yusuf Atode. Uh, thank you. Uh, Paños. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought at first, on first viewing, she does a good job to make this save because it is Pop. It is in a strong position to get the header. She gets a lot of power behind it. I think you pointed out and I'm now inclined to agree she makes a good save but her parry she kind of gets first contact with her left hand and I think doesn't get it evenly so isn't able to kind of hold on to it or just yeah. parry it out of bounds instead she parries it away from her but still in front of goal into the six yard box, and it basically just basically. creates massive confusion but Tarahan yeah. mm-hmm. the right back yeah. Marta Tarahan mm-hmm. she had Marta on her shirt right? yeah um, definitely she did him better yep. she is there first she has the opportunity to just kick this thing yep. away, mm-hmm. right? Instead, she kind of shields it in a weird way, and Debrutz has been running through. Debrutz gets there and essentially slide tackles it into the back of the yeah. net. I think I think there are two things happening simultaneously in this sequence. I think uh, Torejon, I think she thinks maybe I can play this out of bounds. Uh, ask Wendy Renard how hard that can be. Oh, I think she's we'll talk about because that it is in front of the goal, and so I think she has to make the choice to like. Play it out of bounds, but make sure she doesn't play it into her own goal. I see. But I also think she thinks uh, uh, Panos, the goalkeeper, is maybe coming across to collect it. And so at the very last second, you can see her kind of do the thing a defender will do when they're shielding off a player, where they kind of put the arms out. out. They kind of spread out a little bit. Yeah, and they try to create like a a barrier that the attacker can't get by, except that she waits too late to do it. And I also am not entirely sure that she knows that Debritz is right there. Yeah, so I went back and saw the wider angle. when the ball goes down the right to Hoot, Debrit starts her run. She's maybe yeah. thinking far post cross. Like if mm-hmm. it doesn't go to Pop, it goes far post, so maybe I get it. Um, Tarahan does check her shoulder and look over at that point. But at that point, Debrit is like 20 yards away from her. Yep. I don't think you see her check her shoulder again at all no. until Debrit comes sliding through. So I would say at the point that Debrit charges in, Tarahan's not aware that she's no. there and thinks she's maybe just shielding it yeah. for the goalkeeper. To I think she, she's in the, in the mindset of, I'm worried that if I try to pass this, I might just end up turning it into my own own goal. Yeah. Plus maybe uh, uh, Panos is going to come back and collect it. So I'll just wait, I'll just wait. And then Debrit just kind of slides through and does, I think, even get the first touch to it. I think eventually Torrejon is able to try to get a toe to it, but it doesn't really matter at that point. It's already going in the goal. Ooh, and, and that's where... Then I think that's where it changes a little bit because then I think Spain are panicked. Like up until that moment, it's nil nil and we're holding on and we've gotten some good attacks. Yeah. And after that, I felt like it got very direct and predictable. It was weird, right? Because Spain earlier earlier in the game mm-hmm. were um, at least a possession team that should yeah. move the ball. Um, later on, it seemed like it was direct from back to front and then when it got to the front mm-hmm. players were just trying to dribble yeah. at German players yeah I mean and the eventually one, lose the ball the one that I, sh- I showed you that stood out to me was uh, it was like 60 Vigasia. yeah it was like the one where she uh, 77 uh, 45 if you want to watch it she got, goes for skill and tries to pull off a move and basically dribbles straight to the defender and then in trying to get it back fouls the defender yeah. and, and I say that only because you know you want an attacker who's going to try stuff but it was 
as you're ch- if you're chasing a game uh, similar to what we were just talking about with Nigeria, like there is an element of like you want rhythm to your attack. You want everybody to kind of feel it. You want to kind of be building up the momentum. And every time it stops and it goes out of bounds, and then you concede a free kick, and you concede another free kick, and you like put it out of bounds for a, an attacking throw in for Germany when maybe you could have controlled it and played it back to the goalkeeper. You just keep breaking up your rhythm. And I felt like Spain because of that sort of long ball over the top. That doesn't come off. Then, like a driven ball into the feet that's settled, but then there's two step overs and the ball gets poked away. There just wasn't any rhythm to the attack at all. And the chances it did come, mm-hmm. Garcia kind of yeah. like, panicked and yeah. wasted all yeah, of 80, them. 83rd minute, she has the one where basically she's in behind, the, she gets in behind the German defense, but never picks her head up and just tries to square the ball. Yeah. And there's, there's no one there. She does not have a teammate within five so yards of where she plays the ball. Rushed, yeah. right? The thing I thought is the only calm on the ball Spanish attacker yeah. is Emoso, yeah. number 10. But because what they did in this game, they played her essentially up front, I think, in the first mm-hmm. game. This game, they dropped her into like an attacking midfield role in a sort of 4-2-3-1, basically, yep. right? Um, and it felt to me like she would, uh, she not always successfully, but she would occasionally put through balls through for Garcia. Yep. And what they needed was for Emoso to be on the end of her own through balls because yeah. she would have been the calmest striker. And they essentially have to choose, do we play Emoso as a centre forward and there's no one calm in midfield, at least enough to match with Germany, I'm sure against weaker teams maybe. Mm-hmm. Or do we play Emoso as an attacking midfielder yep. And she can't get on the end of her own through balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think they she, need two emotions. But I think she does get on the ball a little bit more, and also because Spain go a little bit more aerial. I can't remember if we've already mentioned this or not. But one of the things that you seemed yes. pretty, pretty, uh, pretty taken by, pretty surprised by. Surprised is the okay. word. Yeah. So Vas Tecklenburg, the German coach, mm-hmm. what she does is, is she switches from the four four two, goes to a four two three one, brings on a different striker. So it's uh, Clara Ball comes on and plays centre forward. Alexandra Pop. Who I talked about in my preview how yeah, she had to play on the wing and this and that while she was waiting for the mm-hmm. other German strikers to retire. Alexandra Pop goes and plays defensive mid. She yep. sits in the two in the four two three one. And I was just I was quite impressed that she could do it successfully, but I was flabbergasted by why you would do this or why you would ask her to do this. I think your suggestion was that maybe it was because Spain were going a bit more mm-hmm. direct from back to front, Pop's so good in the air. Yep. She's just going to win a bunch of aerial balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think, and then has the kind of the steel you need to go into 50 50 challenges yeah. and come out with the ball um, and not concede free kicks because that is the other thing I did want to talk about in this game. I oh, do yes, think yes. Germany got lucky because in the 62nd minute, I think, uh, Schwiers, the left back for mm-hmm. Germany, uh, she commits a foul on uh, Lucia Garcia uh, and was given a yellow card for it. It's right at the top of the box. I'm inclined to say that should have been a red card. Why red instead of yellow? Um, because. To me, it was the last defender. Uh, it's about 20, yard, 20 yards out. That's why the free kick is right at the top of the box. So denial of goal opportunity. But from outside of the box, because we know there's no double jeopardy now. So if that foul occurs inside yeah. the box, it's a penalty and a yellow card because she's trying to make a play on the ball. And I do think she's trying to make a play. But Lucia Garcia is basically in on goal and then gets knocked yeah, back I, because of the foul. I think the commentators said that you know there were other defenders in the box. Mm-hmm. They were, but they were they were wide of Lucia Garcia. They right? certainly weren't. If Lucia Garcia had gone through, yeah. she's maybe one touch and shoot or... First touch could be a shot. That's, yeah. that's the definition of a goal-scoring opportunity, yeah. right? So, and, her, and her teammates yeah. her teammates were gesticulating for the red card to happen. It yeah. did not. I think maybe they took a look at it on VAR. I'm not entirely sure. I'm really confused by this. But it, to me, it should have been a red card. So I think Germany, a little bit fortunate there. And then yeah. Spain, maybe unfortunate by their own tactics. Yeah. Unfortunate by their own tactics. Mm-hmm. But um, another win for Germany. Another win for uh, Germany. Because they this game happened earlier than the French game, are they the first team to go through? I think six points, two I wins, six points. I think it's still like not complete. I think no, there's. I guess they're secured of going through, but not necessarily in, in top spot or yeah, something okay. like that. I think right, it's something like that. So right now, Group B mm-hmm. um, is Germany in first place with six points, Spain in second place with three points, China and South Africa 
play tomorrow. There you go. Yeah, they both have zero points. Yeah. yeah. I think Germany are probably safe. Uh, yeah, I think they'll, they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You're willing to take that bet? <laughs> yeah, right. I would. Are you willing yeah. to take that bet with me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I could make some, some fast money there. But I am willing to talk about today's advertiser if that works for you. Even better. Let's talk about Green Chef, All shall right. we? Yes, Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company mm-hmm. that makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. And you know what? Even if they're not your lifestyle, they still fit because Daryl Grove got a bunch of boxes sent to us his house he shared yeah. one with me they're vegetarian I'm yep. not a vegetarian I ate those green chef boxes <laughs> do you enjoy them I did All right. so. mm-hmm. have I converted you to the vegetarian side no <laughs> have I converted you to the green chef side yes there we go and you might be thinking wait don't you guys advertise HelloFresh mm-hmm. I thought that we do we also <laughs> advertise HelloFresh um it's owned by the same company. Yep. HelloFresh mm-hmm. owns Green Chef. Um, so Green Chef is sort of just a different, a slightly different type of prepare your meals at home uh, service. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the, re- the recipes remain quick and easy with step-by-step instructions and tips and photos to guide you along. But it lets you choose from a wide array of easy-to-follow lifestyles with select organic ingredients, which yes. I did appreciate. Uh, my wife, who made the first one, confirmed that she found it very easy to make, despite being a, a slightly more like complicated dish than I think some of the stuff we've had in the past. Yeah. She said it was it was easy. Did you have the um, orzo, chickpea, zucchini, and uh, chard? That one we had. And yeah. then we also had the – I had that one. I forget what it was called, but like the, the more Greek-inspired one, which okay. I thought was terrific. I want to say it was Greek couscous. It had some pita in there. We haven't made that one yet. And it was real good. <laughs> I, I look forward to eating it then. There you go. Um, as you mentioned, uh, one of the selling points of Green Chef mm-hmm. is they offer a variety of organic ingredients, mm-hmm. uh, which means you're getting some really high-quality food in that box. And honestly, for me, when you go vegetarian, um, that's what you need, right? You need high-quality uh, vegetables. Yep. I also kind of like the branding. It's not just called the vegetarian option. It's called the plant-powered option. The plant-powered option. Yeah. That's good. I like <laughs> that one. Uh, but I also like, uh, to your point about the veggies, they're seasonally sourced for peak freshness, so you don't have stuff that's out of season or stuff that doesn't quite taste as good, but then you also aren't trying to grow things out of season, which requires uh, a lot of sort of unnatural things, do I feel like, get done. <laughs> um, the box has like a lot of these stuff that's in it aside from the food. It comes in, like the packaging material is all recyclable which I did appreciate because it is sometimes with some of these uh, boxes there's a lot of stuff in there that you then come away thinking like that's a lot of uh, mess for for these things Green Chef they do their best to make everything recyclable so I haven't not recycled it yet Uh if that helps Okay, which means the box is just still sitting there so no one knows what to do with it or it's recyclable or biodegradable either way it's nice and easy, and you can put it. You can get rid without feeling like you've just ruined the environment for another hundred years. <laughs> the meal plans uh, for Green Chef mm-hmm. include paleo. You've done paleo in the past. I right? have paleo, plant powered, vegan and vegetarian, pescatarian, mm-hmm. which I think is when you eat fish but not yeah. other meats. Um, keto, which I don't know what it is, but I know Mickey Turner is enjoying mm-hmm. it. Um, Gluten free and omnivore. Omnivore, mm-hmm. I'm guessing, is everything. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm omnivorous. But you're not. Though. I'm not. I'm saying okay. that's an example of what someone might say. Or I'm, I am an omnivore. Do you not know dinosaurs? <laughs> Get your dinosaurs together, my friend. What's wrong with you? I noticed they don't have the carnivore option, so that's good. <laughs> this is when you only eat meat. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's the T-Rex diet. Uh, so for a total of $75 off, that's $25 off each of your first three boxes, you can go to greenchef.com, excuse me, greenchef.us slash TSS75. TSS75 for $75 off, $25 off each of your first three boxes at greenchef.us slash TSS 75. There we are. <laughs> Added a little moment of drama in there. I appreciated that moment <laughs> of drama. Uh, thank you very much to Green Chef for sponsoring today's episode. One more game to review. It's France's game against Norway, which I found incredibly frustrating. It was 
I think, the big game of the day because mm-hmm. it's the host nation and yep. they're playing against someone who theoretically should be a challenge to it, them. It, it was, I think maybe I hyped it up too much in my head because in <laughs> my mind, France looked up until the game, the United States' game against Thailand. And again, that was Thailand. So greatness out there, France looked like one of the most dominant teams, if not the most dominant teams in this tournament. They looked like they had a strong defense, a great goalkeeper, could play really fast passing, could play long and direct, had a lot of pace, had a lot of finishing ability. They seemed like this kind of comprehensive team that were going to be really difficult to beat. Norway, for their part, play the kind of high-pressure, high-intensity system. They, too, have plenty of proven goal scorers like, and strong midfield, and it just felt like it was going to be this clash of styles, and it was going to be a lot of tinkering and, and evolving tacti- tactics and adjusting where this player went and moving this player to adjust to that player, and it felt like it was going to be kind of a chess match, and instead... It felt really kind of haphazard, especially from Norway. It felt they like gave Nor- the ball away too easily. Yeah, right? and that was that made it really hard to for me to like stay focused on. Is I guess the best way I can put so it. So why do we think Norway kept giving the ball away? I think because France, especially in the second half, I mean, it's it's not surprising me that they come out and score a goal, but I think especially in the second half, France really upped the intensity of their their pressure that yeah. they put Norway under. So immediately not like a full and frontal often. press, but no. like when it was in midfield, like French players would just be closing down Norwegian players really fast. Yeah, and it yeah. felt like it was always you don't it, mess with Amandine Henry. You don't, but it also felt like almost like a bad action fight. You know, there's always like in, in the action fight, there's always like nine nine guys fighting the one guy, and then the one guy, but it ends up being like only fighting one bad guy at a time, while the other ones sort of dance around. Yeah. That's what it felt like for me with Norway, where it was like as soon as they would maybe get past one French player, another French player comes in and like puts another yeah, tackle yeah. in, and eventually. France are either going to win the ball back or Norway we're going to cough it up or kick it long here's my theory on Norway is that they normally play sort of high Mm -hmm. pressure like they did against Nigeria and it worked right and then move the ball quickly like fast transitions Um, they didn't really play high pressure against France because it would have been just Mm -hmm. uh, suicidal right because people would have just uh, French players would just pass through them but I think even when they just had the ball moving it forward they would just rush the passes too much and I think you, you notice as well like Norwegian players tended to run away from the ball, yeah. right? No one was checking two to come and receive the ball short. Everybody, uh, Caroline Graham Hansen, like all the, uh, yeah. all the strikers, were trying to just go forward and hope for fast balls in behind. And it just wasn't on. It and wasn't. so you ended up with a lot of forced passes from Norway that were kind of easy for France to intercept. Yes. Yeah? I, I, Especially with the quality of French defenders. Yes. I think the idea for Norway was that basically they would send their fullbacks forward aggressively. They did. They and, did a lot. And the idea, I believe, was basically to keep France, who did also, it seems like, come out in a 4-4-2. I Defensively, think, at least, it was yeah. a 4-4-2. Yeah. And I think the idea was to keep uh, Les Samer on the left side and then Gianni on the right side to keep them pinned back a little bit because you've got okay. the fullbacks committing forward. Because I went back... It would be Mindy and Vold, right? Yeah. would make sure to always get far forward as soon as Norway had the ball. Yeah. I, and I went back because I tweeted at halftime. It seemed to me like Les Amer on the left side was open all the time for like yeah. a big switch. She was open a lot, but I think part of that was because she would track back and then she would get ahead of, say, Mo Wold on the, like, the right-hand side from Norway because she had pushed so far forward. But it was still France having to drop off a little bit to deal with uh, Norway sending those runners forward. They just weren't able to do anything because, as you said, they were so focused on getting forward that I think those runners outran the ball on a number of occasions. Do you say, would you agree that they were lucky not to get counted? Norway were lucky yes. not to get counted on. Because I saw so often Minde, the 17 mm. left back, would get forward and then there would just be space for Diani to either run in behind her yeah. or sort of beat her to a 50-50. Um, but then Diani, I think, I actually think uh, Torres daughter mm-hmm. um, ends up making some mistakes. But I think in the first half, gets to a lot of crosses, essentially cuts out a lot of crosses that could have been trouble. Uh, yes, I would agree. And I think 
she was able to do that because I do think, at least in the first half, France played down to Norway a little bit. Yeah. Not necessarily saying that, like, Norway like also are, Russian are much worse, maybe? but yes, exactly. Yeah. That, like, again, it ends, the first half ends, I took a photo of it, Les Sommers is just standing in the box with their hands in the air for, like, a good five seconds, and the cross never comes because I think France gets sucked into this kind of, I'm going to take you on, I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to cross the ball in, but then it gets so focused on that, I'm going to get past this defender, I'm going to dribble past this defender, that it goes back into yeah. this, like, I'm going to beat you, oh, I get stuck, and now you go the other way, oh, then now we stuck you and we're going to come back that way. Instead, Diani or Gianni, I'm actually yeah. not sure how to pronounce it, but it begins with a D. Yeah. The commentator's flipped back yeah. and forth, mm-hmm. right? And my French pronunciation's not good. She could have just hit a big diagonal to mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah, instead, uh, of, instead of taking on Minde. Maybe she just had a taste for taking on Minde because she kept going past her. Yes. I mean, that, that might be, but it yeah. doesn't come to She anything. selected take on Minde from the Green Chef menu. Perfect. <laughs> um, but I, I think you see a little bit more adaptability maybe from France in the second half because yeah. they come right out and score. They score basically, what, 30 seconds to a minute into the second half? Yeah, yeah. Yes, they do. And it and it's basically, uh, we can we can kind of go back and break this down, but it's essentially Norway have the ball, they have possession, and they're just forced into a bad pass. And then France makes some very smart passes yes. to pull Norway out. Isn't that the difference? The yeah. difference in this game is that um, after Norway makes some bad passes, mm-hmm. France makes some smart passes and that's what opens up a bunch of space. Yes. Do you want to get to this goal then? This I is do. the uh, Govan goal mm-hmm. in the 46th minute. Yep. So right from kickoff, more or less. It starts with Norway having the ball. It does. Yeah. It's uh, Savic, I believe, mm-hmm. number 21, central midfielder. She plays a square pass that I think... I'm getting my notes out. You sure are? Mm-hmm. She plays a square pass that I think is intended for Risa. She's under a bit of pressure, right? But Risa drops back a little bit and uh, Savic still plays it square. Not to reset, <laughs> just to open space. Yeah. This seemed like a classic example of Norway rushing a pass. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah because I think Savic sees that Borisa is maybe open, but then kind of puts her head down, just wants to get rid of the ball. But is like Borisa is no longer there when that ball goes across. And yeah. instead, uh, Eugène Le Sommer is there to pick that ball up. Oh. And this is where I think France... Maybe it's just Les Amers, and I'm inclined to give her credit because I think she's an incredibly good player. But I think it's also maybe France at halftime making some adjustments, one of them being slow it down once we're in possession. Because yeah. Les Amers, she gets the ball kind of going from left to right, so like back across the field, and instead kind of evaluates the situation and I think recognizes there are a number of French players on this side, but there's also a number of Norwegian players on this side. And she just cuts back and plays it to Amandine Henri. And because Les Amers has just come from the left-hand side, there's a ton of space out there. Do you know what else is a ton of space? Savic, yeah. who gives the ball away in central midfield. She's the right midfielder. Yep. And I think the reason she ends up in central midfield is she's scrambling because, what, 10 seconds yep. prior to this, um, Minde, going down the left, had given the ball away and Norway had to scramble backwards. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think this is what it's all about, is mm-hmm. that essentially Les Sommers recognizes where the space is and intelligently slows it down, plays it out wide, exploits the space. Yeah, yeah. and then Henri gets it. She, she drives at the defense, and this is another key aspect of it because um, I forget who it was for Norway who dropped that. I think it was uh, Movald, the right back, is basically trying to hold position because she's tucked inside. Yeah. She's got Henri running at her, but she's also got Majri overlapping. So yes. she has to try to decide. Risa comes and helps eventually yeah. but it's like she has to scramble to get over there but yeah. it's as soon as Risa gets there Movald goes wide to try to deal with Majri who's overlapped yeah. but then at that point you're kind of like maybe five yards behind where you would normally want to she's be she's not in time it's not her mm-hmm. fault I think um, because she was trying to cover two players yeah. at once she's not in time to prevent the Majri cross yeah. here's why I think that's really important I Having like okay, I don't have that good a knowledge of uh, all the players at this mm-hmm. World Cup, at least just yet, because we've only seen each team play once. I think Marjorie is the best crosser of a ball in this entire tournament. France's left back, number ten, when she gets forward, I think her crosses are the most dangerous in the entire tournament. 
The only other player that I would maybe say is Megan, maybe Megan Rapino. Oh, but, even, but even then, shot. I think Majri is probably I, that left foot and the way she kind of whips the ball around and puts it in the box, like the velocity, the dip, the bend. It's very impressive her crossing ability. And this one finds Govan mm-hmm. pretty much in the six yard box. Yeah. Right, Govan gets across the front of Thorsdottir. Yeah, uh, and is able to score. But but like look at everything we've just talked about for a moment. It's France pressing, winning the ball back, changing the point of attack, spreading the field, then getting like a, a having an overlap, uh, having an overlap, but then getting a quick and deadly ball into the box. Yep. It's not I'm going to pull the defender out and beat them with a step over, get to the end line, then try to square it. It's sort of I've got the space, I'm going to take a touch, I'm going to whip this cross in, and then because of that, because Norway are scrambling backwards and trying to find marks and trying to get covered, they're not necessarily focused on the individual marking that they should be, which I think is why Galvan is able to get goal side and put that ball. Yeah, in. did she come from behind Tosda to? Yeah. And just sort of steps across. She yeah. does. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's one 0 France, mm-hmm. and it really feels like all right. France are going to maybe accelerate through the gears here, and this might be two. Or I three did not nil. think Norway were going to be able to score a goal, which again is why I was so frustrated because it felt like this is going to be end to end, and France might be pegged back. And in the end, they are pegged back. Norway do score, but it's not a Norwegian Norway player who scores exactly. Norway, yeah, Norway don't actually score. They do not. In the fifty-fourth minute, Renard, Wendy mm-hmm. Renard. Scores an own goal, a really bad own goal for yep. a defender um, of her quality. Uh, before we get to what she was doing, yeah. <laughs> it's worth giving Norway some credit. This is this move that results in the own goal is maybe the one good attacking pass that Norway had, yep. the one calm, intelligent pass that Norway had for the entire game. Is it mm-hmm. Reeton, uh, the number 16? She's able to slip it between a centre-back and a right-back, so it's probably yeah. um, Umbach and Torrent, yep. I would guess. Slips the ball between those two players, uh, for Herlofsson to mm-hmm. run onto. Yeah. yeah. And Herlofsson has made a smart run. She's timed it down well. Down the outside, down the left. She's, yeah, and then she's gotten in behind the defense. The issue for me is that it's sort of, in the moment, it's similar to Spain again. She's she's gotten in. She's kind of in a position where maybe she could shoot, but it's not really going to be the right time to shoot. She's so very she, wide. Yeah. So she goes for the cross instead. But it's a pick her head up, sees that there's a, a player or yeah. a teammate theoretically in the area. It's Caroline Graham Hudson. And then just tries to put the ball in the box. And then the commentator said, like, she drives it across. Like, it wasn't even really driven. Yeah. It was just sort of played across, should have been easily dealt with. It's just that where it... It wasn't a good ball, was it? No. Because she, she looks up, sees Caroline Graham Hampson, yeah. then drives to the end line without, look, without looking up. Yeah. And again, without looking up, just drives it across the top of the box. And I get the corridor of uncertainty mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff, but... Really, you're just playing it into French defenders. Yeah, because and it should have been a French defender that cleared this. It should have been because you contrast it with like the Germany goal against Spain, and even there, like there's pressure. There's a German player coming in. You can understand why Marta in the moment didn't quite know what to do here. Wendy Renard really isn't under any pressure. She just, I think, tries to play it out for a corner kick and just has bad technique and passes it into is her own goal. Is that what it is? I, I think it could. There's, the other possibility is that she isn't quite aware of where she is. Like she doesn't it's know possible. where the goal is and mm-hmm. like how central she is to the goal. So she thinks she can just touch it behind yeah I mean or, either, either way it's a mistake right? it's yeah. either a technical mistake or a positional mistake all I'll say is like watch if you watch her when she does it it, it doesn't really add evidence to either one or add support for either one, but her reaction is just so clearly like, that is not what I meant to do, which is an obvious thing to say about an own know, goal, but, but right. it's just that moment of like, no, 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 that's not what was supposed to happen. Like, yeah. like it's such a something has malfunctioned moment as opposed yeah. to like, whoops, I made a mistake. And something has malfunctioned in a way that it normally doesn't. It does not. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that's... You like, can, like if our internet fails here in the office, it's normally quite reliable. Yeah. If it's suddenly gone, it's like, no, this isn't right. Yes. Something has gone wrong. I think I would still be angry at the internet that I would be Renard but and I think her teammates are the same because you don't really see that moment of like when uh, when South Korea have the own goal there's that moment where the defender kind of like sheepishly isn't making eye contact with the goalkeeper who's staring right at her you don't have that here you have uh, uh, Buhari comes out and like 
pat, pats her, her on the back and like gives yeah. her some love. And I think Henri comes back and maybe Mbok uh, comes back as well. So it seems like she got picked up by her teammates a lot. She also seemed like she then was really trying to score some goals. Yeah. And when France eventually do get their go-ahead goal, she makes sure to go find uh, Eugene Lissamere, the penalty taker, pick her up, gives her a big hug. I think she was quite relieved. Um, this is obvious, but this is what I like on teams mm-hmm. I play on, is when a player has a horror moment yep. like that, the thing to do is put your arm around them, pat them on the back, yeah. tell them don't worry. And to Renard's credit, I mean, she probably would have done this anyway because she's an experienced pro, but she's solid for the rest of the game. She absolutely doesn't have what you call a quicksand game where that moment causes her to mm-hmm. just like sink deeper and deeper and like, get two in her own head and make a bunch of mistakes. And yeah. I think teammates gathering around you after you make a mistake is a big part of you being able to move forward as a defender who's made a mistake. Yeah. yeah. I, he, I, he said speaking as a defender who's made some no, mistakes. No, I, I totally agree <laughs> with you. I, I just think it, the, what you're talking about is is incredibly difficult in the moment. And I yeah, say yeah. that like I've had that experience before where I've wanted to do that and I was just so frustrated in that moment that I was like, I just got to walk away for a second. Yeah. So that... Because you, you might end up yelling at someone. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, like, and not even like, not even because like I'm really mad. It's just in that moment, it's hard. Like the raw emotion of like, no, it was going so well. And then this <laughs> happened. That her teammates... And then you happened. Yeah. <laughs> that her teammates instead choose to pick her up is an incredibly uh, important thing to yeah. me that like that's the kind of unity of the French team. The other thing that was very interesting to me Which is ironically that, isn't part of their liberté, égalité, oh, fraternity. There you go. There we go. Um, it's kind of unity, right? But the other one that I think is worth noting here, and if you see the replays when the French players are walking back, so there's like some uh, like – Consolation for Wendy Renard, but uh, it's Torrent, the right back, and Henri, I'm a Dean Henri, the yeah. captain, are in, engaged in a conversation. That's It's not a heated conversation, but it's clearly they're frustrated about that pass that you mentioned and about oh, the okay. spacing that yeah. Norway are starting to Which find. Is the correct way of thinking of it, right? Like yeah. That's an error that can be cut out. The Wendy Renard error can't be cut out because it's such a freak yeah. incident. There's no way to like legislate for that. No. You can legislate for not having that through ball. Can't and you? So, na- so now think about this again, that like one of your most veteran, experienced players that you look to to be calm in a moment of stress has, has just, yeah, definitely, has just passed the ball into, into her own net you're now like they, the other team is equalized when they probably didn't deserve to and now you're sort of could be really frustrated instead in that moment all of her teammates are picking her up except for the other teammates who are trying to figure out how to shut down that point of attack so that they can get the attack going yeah it, it would make me very nervous if i were a team that were potentially playing uh france in say the quarterfinals <laughs> is all i'm saying well yeah less than 20 minutes later this so that goal was 54th minute mm-hmm. France are back ahead in the 72nd minute. That they are. A Eugenie Le Sommer uh-huh. penalty kick. All right. This was another contentious moment. Three contentious VAR moments on the day? Yeah. This one took a while as well because it's, uh, what, it's Torrent in the box. Uh, it's after, well, should we go back a little further or should we just get to the incident? I think we should go straight to the okay. incident and maybe backtrack later. If people want to hear about the incident, Yeah, right? uh, but it's Torrent in the box. Uh, then she has, like, there's a challenge on, from Engen. Uh, the ball eventually spills to uh, Busalia. Busalia gets the shot off. It goes well over. Everybody thinks, well, that probably should have been better, except for Amandine Henri and a couple other French players who are yelling at the uh, referee. Yep. Referee then gets a uh, hand, hand to the ear, goes and looks at the screen, and ends up awarding a penalty for the contact from uh, Engen. Engen. Yes, yeah, so Engen you. essentially, in attempting to clear the ball, mm-hmm. kicks straight through and yep. into Torrent's kneecaps. Yes. Yeah, and I to her meniscus is what yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah, and I think this they were the Fox crew was drawing an analogy to the South Africa game where it was like yeah. you leave the studs up, you make contact, it's going to be a penalty. 
I'm like, if you have to kind of do a little bit of like, <laughs> this is not a good way to explain this, but you have to like do a mental exercise here. But if you see it as Tarrant getting the ball first, it does not look to me like Engen even touches the ball. So that whole debate about like, she gets the ball, but then she gets contact. It's kind of moot to me because I don't think she even gets the ball. Because you think Tarrant is cutting back, right? I, the reason the ball yeah. goes backwards is because Tarrant approaches the yeah. ball with her right foot, facing goal, yeah. but cuts back the other way yeah. to avoid Engen. Uh, maybe so that's why even... the ball goes that way, not because Engen actually gets a touch on yeah. it as she follows through into Torrance meniscus. Yeah, and maybe he's <laughs> even trying to cut back for Busaglia to get that shot. But yeah. but I think... Which, by the way, not a great it's shot. It's not a great shot. She's she's <laughs> sitting, like, she's, like, standing and leaning Three back. points? Hopefully. She might also be a rugby fan. Hopefully, French, French hopefully it goes like over. As well. It might not have gone through. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's contact there regardless. It's definitely bottom of the boot to knee. And... It feels unfortunate because in, in that moment, like, the play is is gone. Engen seems completely shell-shocked by what's happened here, but I think it's correctly given as a penalty. I do. I think even if Engen does make contact with that ball, and yeah. like, maybe it's the bottom of her mm-hmm. foot that scuffs it clear or whatever, yeah. it's still a penalty kick because it's still... What she did is reckless and is a foul, even if you get to the ball first. I got the ball ref is not an excuse <laughs> for also getting the play. I always have to go back to an indoor game, strangely, because sliding isn't allowed, but it was like... I remember I was dribbling on goal and a and a player came like came around and like kind of got the ball but like took out my legs completely and then screamed afterwards when the penalty was given. He was like, I got all ball and the ref was like, Yeah, you can't get his legs to get the ball. <laughs> like that's not allowed. You can't do both. And so I think that's a good reminder here that like, yeah, you can maybe get a touch to the ball, but if then the rest of those your cleat ends up embedded in a kneecap, yeah. you're probably gonna concede a foul. Ooh, and it really was, right? She yeah. actually kicks her right in the kneecap. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a foul. That's why it's a penalty kick. There is no debate for me about no. this at all. No hundred percent penalty kick and and i want to say 100 percent. i i i'm a very big fan of eugene lesamere if that weren't obvious i want her I'll taking today all of our penalties forever if in any situation in any Who, team we're on I want, any team we're on i want to find a way to get her on that team because i watched her standing there <laughs> what are you doing sunday at 11 25 <laughs> kickoffs at 11 we're going to win a penalty by 11 24 we can pay you nothing uh, <laughs> but you want like I, like we watched the penalty as she was standing there, I, I said to you, "I was like, oh, she scored this goal." Like it just, she did not have anything that betrayed nerves about her. Mm-hmm. It was just like, "This is my moment, and I'm scoring this goal." She was breathing in and out, but I guess you need oxygen, right? You do. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. I, so what? Uh, from her perspective, bottom left corner, yeah. right foot, not quite in the side netting, but no. in the corner, but bang. Like, but on the ground with enough pace behind it, it's the exact spot to hit that penalty. And I think it's going to be very difficult Ooh. for a goalkeeper to get it, even at like full stretch, even if guessing correctly. So we've definitely talked about which penalty. I guess which I guess she does the uh, yeah. the Norwegian goalkeeper Helmsmith or something like that Helms Helmus Helmsmith yeah, there it exactly is exactly that so there's a J in there we talked about the penalty on. kick we yeah. talked about how it was won it starts with a Norwegian giveaway yep it is unfortunately Tors daughter yeah again who I thought actually had a mostly good game in right. terms of cutting out French crosses but she doesn't cut out the cross Govan scores. Mm-hmm. And she gives the ball away to start this whole right. sequence. She is essentially bringing the ball out of the back, uh, looking for a pass upfield, and just takes a horrible touch and is completely dispossessed uh, by uh, Govan, I yeah. believe. And it's like a Govan and Tine have a sort mm-hmm. of two-on, maybe two-on-two or two-on-three counterattack that doesn't really come to anything because I think Tine refuses to run beyond, yeah. which I think is a problem for France, actually. Tine doesn't like to go in behind. She likes to be the support striker even when she needs to run in behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't come to anything. But once it pops loose... Once again, France work it and get across in, I think. Uh, and that's what ends up with the bit of the scramble that leads to uh, 
um, Engen having to make that, that, that weird tackle thing mm-hmm. that she does. And it's also worth noting, I think Tarrant wins a first challenge and then she it's does, another yeah. 50-51 yeah. and she goes after that ball mm-hmm. again. So you see the kind of intensity of the French counterpress. Right? Yeah. Isn't it a cross that's blocked but then she yeah. just runs it down twice? Yeah. So well done to Tarrant. I mean, we haven't really talked about it, right? We've talked a lot about uh, Marjorie because yep. we really like Marjorie. Tarrant down the right as well is really dangerous right yeah. back. Yeah. I mean, I think they are two of the best fullbacks in the World Cup. There we go. That is my feeling. That's that's scary if you're not France. It is indeed. <laughs> All right, so after that game, you got anything else to say on that game, Taylor? I do not, other than uh, I thought it was... It still was kind of disappointing to me in the end because it's just a game where, where I'll put it this way: like I came in here really excited to watch that game, and like ha- like round halfway through the second half, you, I think I was like, "So Daryl, like, you, have you seen that movie yet, or have you watched that?" T- <laughs> I think we started talking about Barry. I think at some point in there, yeah. like, it's just one of those games where, like, because it's so. No, dis- Hank would have made this game better. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, because it's so kind of disjointed, and it's Norway being dispossessed and and really struggling to get into the flow of the game, but I think France didn't necessarily have their best game either. It ended up being a sort of like non-compelling game yeah. when I think it, I thought it was going to be one of the most compelling games of the group stage. Because not enough threat from Norway, yeah. essentially. Basically, just don't overhype the games for yourself, and then it's fun. <laughs> and then it's fun. Speaking of the group stage, so Group A, everybody's played two games mm-hmm. now. Um, it's France on top with six points. Yep. Norway in second with three points and a, a plus two goal difference yep plus two goal difference nigeria in third with three points and a negative one goal difference south korea excuse me korea mm-hmm. rock bottom the republic of korea points, the republic of korea zero points negative six goal difference all right and no goal scored all right only only two games tomorrow is that correct only two games tomorrow let me pull up the games just so to make sure i 100 but, but, get them but they're right. not maddeningly frustrating times like they are on saturday yeah <laughs> so there's no 9am game eastern nope. tomorrow it we'll starts at noon with australia brazil be a good one I, so don't overhype it in your head, but Australia are nice. Best and, game of the group stage. Australia nice and open and attacking. Brazil, maybe we didn't think we'd be firing in all cylinders, but beat Jamaica 3-0, so they definitely have attacking mm-hmm. weapons. Mart, so Marta might be back, and that will be what Fox hypes up. I don't think it matters if Marta is back or not, because you've still got Formiga. Yeah. You've still got, I was going to say, it doesn't matter just watch Formiga. <laughs> uh, Cristiane, who yeah. is, what, just behind Alex Morgan with uh, three goals, two goals yeah. behind. But yeah, she's got a hat-trick in the first game. Who's the number seven? Andres Alvesson? Andresa Alves. Andresa Alves. I really enjoy watching her. So. Ooh, your pronunciation was salad there, yeah, my friend. Yeah, getting, getting better, for my yeah. Brazil players. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> from, from half the Wolves team, I think, <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> Thank you, Ruben Nevsh. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, Australia, Brazil. <laughs> Australia, Brazil, we think will be a good game, uh-huh. right? Later on at three o'clock, it's South Africa, China. I don't know what to make of that one. We'll watch and see what happens. <laughs> yes, we will. Fair? Yeah. Definitely fair. Definitely fair. It's just because South Africa had like the strong start and yeah. then like we don't know how they're going to do with the uh, replacing the red card. And then we like kind mm. of conceding some of the goals they did in the ways they did. We don't know what to make of them. China... I would expect them to be physical and scrappy as they were against Germany. Yeah, so they were stodgy, right? It was like a stodgy yes. four foot two. I'm going to say yeah. I have high expectations for Australia, Brazil, slightly lower expectations for uh, for China, South Africa. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We will also on tomorrow's show. Obviously, we'll be reviewing both of those mm-hmm. games. Uh, we're also going to do some listener questions. We've got right. some listener questions that we really want to answer. So we'll be weaving some of those in mm-hmm. as well. Can I tell one final story before we head out today? Yeah, if you want. Uh, when Daryl got to the to the office, I'll I stay. asked him if he had seen the. Timothy Weah rumor. I think it's still a rumor oh, yeah. at this point of uh, apparently Lille uh, in France yep. have made a 10 million euro offer. That's 
the rumor as of time of recording, uh, to transfer uh, Timothy Weah. And within two minutes, I think it went from me telling you that to, I can't believe Tim- Timothy Weah is going to start for a Champions League team next season. He might. <laughs> he might. But you were, your optimism about Timothy Weah. nil to Champions League glory. <laughs> Daryl is such a pragmatist in so many ways. I don't think it was on Timothy <laughs> Way. I'm pretty sure you were like, he's going to he's gonna win the Champions League. Would you agree? So Lille finished second uh-huh. in League Earn. I think like 16 points behind PSG, but still. It could have been 80, <laughs> and I would have believed you. So Lille finished second in mm-hmm. League Earn. They'll be in the Champions League. Yeah. I feel like a 10 million euro bid is for a player that they're going to play. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying he's a guaranteed starter, but it's I don't know enough about Lille to know who he'd be replacing, say, on the left wing or whatever, but... He's going to get a better chance at that first 11 than he will at PSG. Yes, that is so we'll go. decidedly I, I true. I sort of downgraded that to be more realistic halfway through the <laughs> sentence, but I stand by it. Can we say this? Do we want him to go to Lille? Yes. Do we want this transfer to go through? Yes. Why so? I agree with you, but I'm just interested in us reasoning out why. Because it's going from a super club uh-huh. to a, a club. Yeah, he, but as you've already said, it's going from a super club where he's probably not going to play. I also, I think Thomas Tuchel has done a good job there. I think PSG. it's still a bit of a circus. I don't know if that's going to change. Uh, and I don't. It's not know. a stable situation Mm-mm. for a teenage player who's not like highly valued in Mm-mm. terms of like the way Neymar's highly valued no. or Mbappe's highly valued yeah. to be in. And so, I would yeah. and I would rather him go to a on a permanent move than like Celtic as an example. We were excited when he went there. We were excited when that move started. Then Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> Excited when Brendan Rodgers went to Leicester. Exactly. Then suddenly Brendan Rodgers leaves. Neil Lennon comes in. It doesn't seem like Timothy Weah fits the system. He ends up leaving early. Yeah. And so, like, that can be a huge issue that if you're trying to go out on loan and then suddenly things change and now you're not playing anymore and you're a developing teenager. Yeah. Same thing happened to Matt Miazga. Yeah. I mean, not a teenager, but yeah, I think a loan situation, because you're by definition a temporary yep. uh, employee, mm-hmm. you maybe uh, are more. At risk if any if the wind changes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're more yeah. likely to get blown out of the first team. So I would much rather him go to a team that maybe aren't going to win league on, but he's going to get lots of minutes potentially, and yeah. may, maybe playing the Champions League and maybe get captain some, turn the some Champions more heads. League winners. There we go. So <laughs> I, I think that is a move that I would like. But Travis Clark and I are this week on the Top Draw Soccer Show going to discuss. Like what we would like to see from some of the American players from the U twenty World Cup squad, oh, what okay. we would like to see from them this season, or what our kind of expectations are now Ooh, that this tournament is done. That's a good show. So tell mm-hmm. me more about this Top Draw Soccer show if people don't know about it. It's a show that Travis Clark and I do. It is. It's a show that, that we produce yep. for Top Draw Soccer. Mm-hmm. I haven't been involved. For I didn't know what else to say, so I'm glad that you <laughs> took over. I genuinely didn't. I was like, we talk about young players, I guess. <laughs> so I'm theoretically uh-huh. involved, right? But I haven't been involved for a while because yeah. essentially you've been very kindly giving me time off uh, to, you know, recover from stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to, anyway. Um, so, yeah, Top Draw Soccer Show is a completely separate feed. You can find it, Top Draw Soccer Show. Search wherever you listen to podcasts, search for that. And once a week, Taylor Rockwell and usually Travis Clark mm-hmm. discuss essentially uh, – I, I, like? I would say Travis Clark and usually Taylor Rockwell. Okay, Travis Sometimes Clark, it's Travis doing interviews. Travis Clark and usually yeah. Taylor Rockwell discuss essentially youth soccer, mm-hmm. but – up to like under 20s under 23s yeah. it's a lot of like future of the US men's national team stuff yeah it's a lot of that but then we did like uh, three shows ago maybe we did like young players to watch at the women's world cup so we'll do sort of yeah. like uh, preview shows as well lots of different content Ooh, in there have any of those come good like any player that you said this young player is going to be really good and they've sort of had a bit of a breakout yes but I struggle to remember who I mean I had I think like my American was Mallory Pugh she scored her first goal so I feel like <laughs> I get the credit for that one did right? she celebrate? Uh, I believe she did I believe she certainly did why are you taking us down That's this road? as much as I'll say about that. <laughs> Maybe before we get tempted into talking yeah. about that again. That's probably a good call. Oh, uh, Ellie Carpenter, she had, she had the assist for Australia, right? She did, yes. There we go. She See? did, mm-hmm. yeah. All me again. <laughs> all, yes. All Taylor. 
Should we wrap up then? I suppose we probably should. All right, Tyler Rockwell. Before I, before I claim credit for more things that are decidedly not my work. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. I did it all. Listeners, thank you for listening. You really did do it all by listening. We will talk to you again tomorrow. I mean, I did.